I'm totally wrong. Let's edit that out. I don't want to embarrass myself. Look at me, stupid American. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, the only podcast that's about the stories we make on, around, and even under the gaming table. Today's episode is 147. Now, I have a question to start the show. Have you ever sat down to watch a documentary? I bet you have. It's one of those movies that makes you feel like you're learning as you're watching. Therefore, you don't have to feel guilty about it. I'm not watching some Marvel movie. No, this isn't just mindless action. I'm learning. I'm learning over here. Leave me alone, ma. I'll take up the garbage tomorrow once I'm done with this documentary. Netflix. Usually that's where people are finding their documentary. Maybe it's about food. Maybe it's about wine. Maybe it's a documentary about people who watch documentaries on food and wine all day. <laughs> what meta? I don't know what kind of documentaries you're watching, but chances are you've watched at least one. The most common one back in my day in grad school was Super Size Me. The documentary about the dude who went around the country eating nothing but McDonald's and almost died because of it. <laughs> Second question, a question of those. Do you pronounce it documentary or documentary? Because for the rest of the show, I'm going to pronounce it documentary. And if that bothers you, let me know. Write in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Let me know how you like to pronounce it. But why the heck? Heck. Am I talking about documentaries right now? Well, today's episode, episode 147, we have a guest, Eric Rail. Eric Rail is a filmographer who really enjoys the hobby of board gaming and decided he was going to become a game designer himself. Once he crashed and burned at that endeavor, he thought, you know what? This is harder than I thought. Why don't I make a documentary about it? Welcome to The Game Designers. You can see a trailer of his upcoming documentary. He's trying to kickstart it in 2019. Go to thegamedesignermovie.com and you can see this trailer. Or you can just listen to it right here on the Tuesday Night Podcast. Right meow. This is just the trailer, not the movie, of course, so don't worry. We'll be right back. Board game design is hard. Like, I mean, real hard. It has been an obsession, and even at times, it's like, I, I wish I could get rid of it. You know, at, at times I've been like, this is it, you know, I'm sick of this, it's too hard, there's no future in it. Struggling to find the core of the game right now is what I'm doing. I'm struggling to find the core. It's been such a long time that this has been a work in progress. You just gotta get over that hurdle and get it on the table. Honestly, if I can't make a game right out of the gate that the average person thinks is fun, that's going to be very discouraging. Alright, so that's... there's plenty that's bad about this game.
I see board games just like stories. You've got the structure of a job, and, and leaving that behind is, is a little bit disorienting at first. Every time I play a game as a kid, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is really fun, you know, I like this and this. But it wasn't exactly the game that I wanted to play. It almost felt like we were cheating. It's kind of like, um, can we do this? One of the big challenges is getting the word about the game out to a wider audience. I have no illusions, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of luck to get another, another game as, as successful as, as Pandemic has been. The game as I envisioned it, and the game that's gonna be produced at the end, are not the same game. It's not about the game at the end, it's about you put people together and it's a very strong reward to do that, I think. That trailer sounds and looks fantastic. I'm getting excited. But here is the interesting story behind the trailer of the game designer's movie. Eric Rail, filmographer, man behind the movie, got a whole bunch of hate for his trailer. A shitstorm, if you will. But why? Because every single designer featured in that trailer was a white male. No females, no one of color, no, no one like that. Now, to be fair, most game designers are white men. But are they all white men? No, no, there's plenty of others out there. So why didn't Eric be more inclusive? Well, good thing I got Eric Rail on the show today to go ahead and discuss this whole story of the game designers movie and what it's all about. We're gonna learn a little bit about Eric himself and dive into what happened. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I want to start off with a sincere apology. I had scheduled with you to do this interview on Thursday at 5 o'clock. And at Thursday at 5 o'clock, I was in the hospital because my sister Elizabeth, who's been on this show before, she was on the episode with Escape the Dark Castle, and she went with me to the BOGA gaming retreat. She's just had a kid, my niece, Amelia Rose, which I thought was a kick-ass name. But anyways, I'm sitting there and then I'm driving home from the hospital and only then did I realize I totally left you hanging. Oh my goodness, I spent way too much time in this hospital. I can't get home in time for our appointment. But you've been such a good sport and here you are. You didn't run off pissed. You're here letting me interview you. So again, apology and thank you so much. Yeah, man, no worries. I, under, I understand um, all the things that could come up. Cool. Since you accepted Apology, how'd you get into the board gaming industry, sir? So, yeah, I just started off as a gamer. Just kind of got into the hobby, board gaming, maybe five years ago. Oh, that's not that long. That's not that long at all. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty new to the whole thing. What hooked you in? Well, I went to a friend's house one night and they had a game night and then they started playing Dominion. I was like, well, what is this? Like, I never seen anything like this before. This looks cool. And then <laughs> that was kind of my gateway game. I just kind of delved into it after that. Where are you from, Eric? Well, I was born and raised in Arizona. And then I lived in North Carolina for a good while. But now I'm in Atlanta. So kind of all over. Oh, you're in DragonCon territory if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, I assume. 
Have you gone to Dragon Con? Yeah, uh-huh. I've uh, actually done some filming there. I helped my buddy out with his YouTube channel, and he does like a bunch of cosplay videos. So um, I've helped him a little bit. Videos? So how'd you get into filming? I've always been interested in film, and I've been dabbling with making films for maybe a decade or so. I can't really tell you how I got into it. I just kind of picked up a camera and rolled with it, I think. No film school official degrees or anything behind you? You just picked up the camera and loved it as a hobby and it grew and grew? Um, A little bit of that, but yeah, I did go to college for film and media studies, which is a little more theoretical. It's not very practical. It wasn't very hands-on. It was kind of like more philosophical, if you will. Let me ask you then, if you said this is more theoretical, did they teach you any of the lingo, the jargon of film terms? Can I quiz you as a fun type game? Oh, God. If you want to give me a, a couple, maybe. Sure. I don't know how good I'll do. What's a jump cut? Oh, jump cut? Okay, that's so if you have one uh, subject in your frame and then... Uh, maybe you're interviewing them and then they say something that you don't want in the film. You cut that out, but the frame is still pointed uh, at that person. Then that's a jump cut when it goes from one section to the other. That is absolutely correct. And it's funny because nowadays in YouTube film, jump cuts are totally acceptable where you see people jumping all over the screen, be one cut after the other. Cool. This one, I don't know. I'm... What the hell's a jib? Um, that's something I never use. (laughs) I've heard about it. I think they exist out there somewhere, but I think it's like a crane of some sort where you put the camera on the end of it and it kind of makes this really pretty Hollywood type motion where you're coming down from way up high. So is that when I see maybe the beginning of Jeopardy or something like that, and there's some of these camera dudes sitting in this huge type of crane machine behind a camera, that's just a big-ass jib? Big-ass jib, yeah. I might be wrong, though. (laughs) Big-ass jib. All right. Okay, I just pulled up a screen of terms, and I'm going to go for one that I don't know. What the heck is rack focusing? Oh, rack focusing? So rack focus is when you have a subject um, in focus, maybe in the foreground, and then there's another subject in the background. Uh, When you do the rack focus, it changes the focus from the person in the foreground to the background. Oh, it's so cool. I love that technique. So you did take classes from filming, and that love just started with you picking up a camera. So what's in your portfolio then? Yeah, so I got my own YouTube channel, um, uh, Zoom Out Media, which is kind of the brand for all the stuff I make. You'll find that on YouTube. This is just sounding like a plug now, but... (laughs) That's why you're here. Let's be really honest. The reason people come on the show is so they can plug their stuff. So go ahead, shamelessly plug. Yeah, so I got my YouTube channel. You know, I like making short documentaries about pretty much whatever I kind of find interesting. So if there's like a person or maybe like an event or something that I find unique or interesting. I like to make these little short three to five minute videos about that. More recently, I've been getting into kind of doing these travel videos where I'll just make a short video about like where I've been or like a city I've visited. You're a one man shop with all these documentaries and these short videos because you're filming it, you're choosing the subjects and you're editing. 
Is that correct? Or are you are you piecemealing out any of the work? No, it's pretty much all me. I guess you could call me like a guerrilla filmmaker. So I kind of do like all of it from, yeah, like you said, filming it to editing it, releasing it, all that stuff. Are you freelance at all? If I had some footage I wanted you to edit or if I had some footage I needed you to film for someone else to edit, would you take piecemeal jobs? Are you for hire? Can I buy you? Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm trying to get into that more nowadays, break into actually getting some paid work. Some of the documentaries that I'm like really influenced by, I would say, are King of Kong. Oh, yeah. The competition for the high score in Donkey Kong. Yeah, exactly. That one, when that came out, that was like a huge inspiration for me and is still an inspiration for me. And your own private work, do you think besides your channel, is there one video that stands out? I just finished a video about Atlanta and that one, I'm pretty proud of it because I put a lot of hard work into it. I've been trying to get it off my plate for probably about a year and a half now. It's only like a little two minute video thing on my YouTube channel, but it took a lot of work to get that one made. And so I'm just happy to have it done. What brought you to Atlanta? Film production, actually. I had a friend down here. He's still down here. Uh, but now I got a lot more friends down here that I met who do film production. I'm friends with like a lot of other guerrilla filmmakers who are all working on their own channels and different projects. Now, you've used that term before, guerrilla filmmaker. Now, is that spelled like the animal gorilla, or is this like guerrilla warfare? Yeah, guerrilla warfare. Ah, and is that what it's named after in that you are on your own and you're kind of doing your own one-man militia thing against a bigger force? So is that what that term actually means, guerrilla filmmaker? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I don't know the exact definition. That'd be my guess, though. That's pretty cool. So you came down to Atlanta for filming. So this is your gig. This is what you do. This is who you are. Yeah, totally. So let's get into how the Game Designers came about. Now, the Game Designers is a new feature-length documentary film all about board game designers. But how did this idea come about? What was the genesis of this? Tell me the story. Yeah, so after I started playing these games about five years ago, pretty shortly afterwards, I wanted to make my own game. So I took a stab at that. And that was that was an interesting journey because I tried to make a heavy Euro game for my first game. And oh. <laughs> not really having any prior game design before that. So that turned into like this big, challenging behemoth type project, trying to balance it and take it to play tests and make sure that everything worked with it. What was the name? Uh, it's called Kepler. After... The telescopes that are out there finding these remote planets where you could potentially have life. And the object of the game, what was the win objective? Basically, everybody had their own faction, if you will, on one of these planets way out there in space. So the win scenario was pretty much get the most victory points, kind of like a classical Euro game. How did you find playtest groups then? So I started with my game group, and they were very gracious to actually sit down and play the thing with me a number of times. I think I bought pizza a few times, but it worked out. <laughs> and how did it go? Was it well received and this thing is now going to be totally published or was there some pretty hard learning moments? Uh, no, so it's pretty much on the shelf now. Actually, probably one of the Kickstarter rewards will be to have the original prototype of Kepler 
Are we going to get to see a little bit of Kepler in your documentary about the game designers? Oh, gosh, I never thought of that. That's a good idea, though. That's like a really good Easter egg. One of the hooks for me is totally empathizing with this journey that you decided to go on. Just one person saying, hey, I really like these games. I wonder if I could design one. Because that's where all game designers start. No one really walks in and finds some hidden gem like, you know, sir, I couldn't help but notice you crunching numbers over in the corner. I think you'd be a brilliant game designer. It's always self-motivated where someone, they themselves decide, hey, I think it should be this way. Having you in the film as, I don't know, self-centered as that may seem, I think actually is a great spot for viewers to empathize, but this is your film, not mine. I'm just fascinated in your own personal story of how it went and when you decided, I'm going to shelf this thing, not publish it and put it on a game shelf, but I'm going to hit, at very least, pause on this game. Was there one crashing criticism? Was it just writer's block equivalent? Do you remember the moment where you just thought, this is harder than I thought it was going to be? Yeah, so basically what happened was after about maybe about six months of playtesting it with this game group, after playtesting it, I'd say maybe six or seven times, I got like a lot of good feedback about trying to balance it and make it work. So I kind of took all that information and I went back home and kind of really tried to focus in and figure out how to balance the game as best as I could. So that took about like another month and I thought like I had every kink worked out and it was just like the most flawless <laughs> uh, board game because it, it was just going to sing now like when I took it back to the game group. And so I went back to the game group to do another play test a month later or so. And the person who had really kind of shown what was broken with the game about a half hour into that game after I thought it was all fixed. He was just like, oh, I'm going to go this other way through this other path. And yeah, now it's still broken, you see? And I'm like, okay, so I'm not a game designer. <laughs> I wouldn't say that because there's that classic expression where on every success is built dozens of failures prior to that. So failing is part of the process of succeeding. I cannot tell you how many times this exact story has happened where I've really bent my mind on a game and think, oh my goodness, this is good. Sounding almost masturbatory, like, oh, everyone's going to love this. They're going to worship me. And then I put it down on the table and I'm explaining the rules for the first time to my first victim slash people that are going to worship me because of this brilliant design. And by the time I finish explaining the game, before anyone even starts to play, I realize, oh wait, this is broken. It doesn't even work. And I just take it all back into my arms like some raccoon stealing cat food and run away as quickly as I came, totally ashamed. So at least you got something that was playable to the point where people can say it's broken here. Because there's been so many times I haven't even gotten it to get played. It's that broken. So I sympathize, man. It's it's a rough, a rough gig. And that's why we call it shelving and not garbaging. Because it is on that shelf and it's not in the trash can. You put in some legwork and there might be something still there. How did this segue into making a documentary about it? Besides the fact that it's safe to say that you consider yourself more of a filmmaker than a board game maker. After that experience, I guess it was kind of natural 
for me to think about it as a story or a journey that I went through trying to make this game um, over a period of six to eight months, like slaving away at it in my living room. And nobody really even knew like how much hard work and time and effort I put into this thing outside for like a few people in my game group. I just thought sharing that story of like banging my head against the wall <laughs> trying to make this game would be an interesting film. And so that's really kind of where the origin of the idea began. And what steps did you take when you finally dove in? Did someone come up to you and say, hey, I would love to be in a documentary if you made it about game designers. At what point did you start talking to game designers and filming them and getting their own personal stories and takes on game designing? Yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, I just kind of picked up my camera and then went to that game group. And then also in North Carolina, there's a pretty well-known game design group called the Game Designers of North Carolina. And they do like a whole bunch of meetings and get togethers. And there's a really solid core of people who go to that group, probably about a dozen people. I went to that group right off the bat to figure out who had the most interesting stories at the time and who might be good to follow in the film. So at the beginning, I just wanted to make maybe like a 30 minute documentary about some local designers in North Carolina. I was still in North Carolina at the time. And so that was really kind of the scope of it was just maybe like a short documentary of sorts. But then after I started working on it and started telling these stories and following these people, I realized that I wanted to expand it and try to capture more well-known designers and try to tell the whole story. So people who are starting out, the people who are more well-known have been doing it for a number of years. So how did you get to the point of the trailer, which you can find on thegamedesignersmovie.com? So I started in January of 2016 with that group in North Carolina. was pretty much just filming them for maybe about six months. And then initially I went to Unpub in 2016, which is a convention. I'm sure you guys know it's a convention to test new board games. It's a brilliant resource. If you're a wannabe game designer starting, or even if you're a publisher looking for designers to scalp, yeah, Unpub is a great resource to go to, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a fun weekend to go and film, get everybody's stories on camera. After that, I realized I didn't have enough material. This has kind of really just happened over and over again, is I didn't really have the story that I wanted to tell. I went to Unpub that year. And then in 2017, I went out and did kind of like a string of cons. I went to Origins, Gen Con, Essen. And then in 2018, now I've gone to Simon Expo, Origins, Gen Con, and I'll be going to Luca, which is in Italy. Oh, wow. I've never even heard of that. You're totally upping me here. Luca in Italy. That's crazy. Actually, the film is now getting pretty close to being done filming. I got to get one more story for the final film, and I'm working on that right now. But after that's done, the film's going to be pretty much done as far as filming, and um, I think it's going to be a good story. I can't wait to take a look at the final product because I know editing is way more time-consuming than the actual filming because filming, you capture it, but how you play it out is totally different. Just a couple episodes ago, we had former contestants on The Bachelor on here, and I hate 
talking about the Bachelor series more than I should on a board gaming podcast. But one of the beautiful things about that show is the editing because they film these people all day long, day in, day out for weeks and weeks and weeks. And yet they only come out with an hour episode every week. So editing is the bulk of the work. So I totally empathize. You have enough to come out with this beautiful trailer. However, you ready to talk about the controversy, sir? Oh, yeah, that's sure. That's fine. I'll let you tell this story as to why some people thought that the trailer was upsetting. And I'd love to hear your response to it, because that way I'm not tainting it one way or the other. I just want to hear it from your point of view. Um, yeah, so basically there was some a healthy response to not having any female designers um, in the trailer and also people of color. Yeah, it was kind of uh, it kind of hit me blindsidedly, if that's a word. Because Cause this was, was this something that you hadn't even realized? Because when you do watch the trailer, you see, and I'm trying to remember, there's Bruno Cathala, there's Mike Selinker, uh, Antoine Bauza, um, and then a couple of the guys from North Carolina, Matt Leacock. Right. And so you just put it together, threw it out, and were you aware that, oh my goodness, it's all white men? Yeah, so there's a little bit going on here. Uh, when I started making the film, I went out and just did like a bunch of research on Board Game Geek, trying to figure out kind of who were the most quote unquote well-known board game designers out there, because I thought that was like a logical place to start. And so I looked at the top 100, then I looked at the number of fans that each game designer had. Then I also looked at a couple of geek lists, which had their own algorithms. That's homework. That's research. That's appropriate documentary research so far. So I'm with you. Keep going. Yeah. So I used all that and I came up with a list of maybe 30, 35 people who I felt were kind of the most prominent people. I really like honestly didn't even think about ethnicity or race or sex or anything like that. It's just, oh, here's the people. And then I just kind of went off and started hunting down all these people like Pokemon or something. Yeah. And so it was basically this, as you said, you were blindsided, just an oops moment. I think that's almost a topic in of itself. If you think of Hollywood productions, how they have to choose the star of their film and what they want to choose is a big name like Tom Cruise or right. Brad Pitt or you know someone that really draws in as many viewers as possible. And then the criticism is, hey, what about some of the underdogs that are not represented enough? Kind of like... That movie, Flags of Our Fathers, with Clint Eastwood as the director, Spike Lee, another famous director, criticized Clint Eastwood for not including anyone of color in that film. But Clint Eastwood replied with, what are you, nuts? This was a historical film. If I put anyone that was African-American in the story, I would get criticized because there weren't any African-American soldiers in that certain battle that was depicted in World War II, which is what the movie Flags of Our Fathers was about. Anyway, that's probably not exactly what we're talking about here. The whole point is, hey, why not include some more demographics versus I was just doing my research looking for who are the most popular game designers. There are two sides to this. I understand that, but it totally sounds like you know and understand both sides of the argument as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you kind of like look at some of my prior videos, like on my YouTube channel and whatnot, I have 
people from different backgrounds and females and all that. There's no, obviously, like, no (laughs) intention behind that. I mean, I guess I think that is kind of just a fact that there are a lot of white males who are making board games right now for whatever reason. I wasn't really thinking about how, (laughs) how that would be perceived. And I can see that because your job as someone who's making a documentary is an eye lens, a glass lens, a telescope, if you will, a, a viewfinder that you are just reporting what the binoculars are finding. And so through those binoculars, through your research in the beginning, you're finding mostly white males. And I will save you the trouble because I do want to jump to your defense as well, because I'm on your website, thegamedesignersmovie.com, where you can see this trailer that got some negative feedback. But if you scroll down, it shows the designers and you do have some really big names here. But there is diversity here. You have Eric Lang, who's a big proponent, a big champion for diversity in games. You have Emerson Masucci, which is one of my personal friends. You also have, oh man, I thought it was Senjai Kanai, but I don't see an N as his name in his name here. Have I been saying Senjai Kanai's name wrong? Is it Sejai Kanai? Oh my goodness. I've been saying Sir Kanai's name wrong all these years. And when I'm looking for females, I'm going to be totally, I'm going to throw myself out there and say, if someone were to stop me in the street and say, hey, name a female game designer of a game that you own that is in your basement right now, I would struggle to come up with a name. But if you were to ask me to name any female game designer right away, I'd say, oh, Lindsay Road, because she's one of my best friends and she's a regular on this show. And there are more and more females coming to the game. I see that you have Jeannie Compter here. Yeah. um, One thing to bear in mind is that list is not complete and there are still people being interviewed for the film. We did some interviews on this latest Gen Con. Uh, We did Sam Fong Lim and Liz Spain and Elisa Teague and Brittany Bow. Bebo! There are a number of other people that are going to be in the film. It's still a work in progress at the moment. I think that in of itself is a learning moment. You did your research, you put out the trailer, you heard the feedback, and it sounds like you already had some in your back pocket, but you're also responding to that feedback appropriately. And that's an amazing thing because we need to be able to live in a society where we're free to make mistakes, we're free to call people out on the mistakes, and we allow people the freedom to learn from their mistakes and perhaps correct them. And I'm you know, using mistakes and air quotes here because some people would argue that's not a mistake and how could you, and this may be controversial or whatnot. But I love that story personally myself in that there is this learning moment where there's not these lines being drawn in the sand where you're saying, no, you're stupid or there's no point and how dare you. There's none of this residual backlash going on. Instead, it's just, oh, okay, I see what you're saying, understood and growing. And I think that's a beautiful story in of itself. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a wake up call for me. And um, I want to make more video content and documentaries and the future. So I, you know, it was a wake up call for me as a media maker that this is something that I kind of need to have an, uh, an eye out for future projects in addition to this one. Just one thing to note, we are working hard to tell like a really good story of a female designer, again, trying to respond to that feedback and make this something, you know, that's representative of all designers out there, not just the traditional designers. That makes sense. Yeah. So we're working hard to find, you know, the right person. In fact, 
I had a conversation with a female designer on Friday. There are a number of other ones that we're contacting and reaching out to as well. So we're trying to find the best story to tell there. I do think it is an interesting story to tell the perspective of a female designer right now in this space, because from everything I've heard, there are some challenges in getting their games made just simply because they are a female or a person of color. You know, I'm a documentary filmmaker, so I kind of approach the world with curiosity. Somebody tells me that there, you know, is an issue out there or something like that. For me, that's like, oh, well, that's <laughs> perfect for my documentary because now I could just tell that story that's really interesting and engaging and something that people want to hear about and need to hear about. I also think that's important because there's plenty of people that didn't even know about the warlords in Uganda, for instance, until they saw the Cooney documentary. And I don't know, it's basically reporting in depth and actually giving time for the story to develop. I'm really excited. And when I think of documentary on game designers, I want to see all those different threads because you also have like Reiner Knizia on here, who's known as the guy who's published more games than anybody else. The biggest legend, for lack of a better term, we have in game designing. So I can't wait. Cool. I can't wait. Yeah, thank you. How soon until the Kickstarter? Um, let's see. So right now we are pushing it back a few months to early next year. So probably late uh, January or mid-February, something like that. So early 2019. And if we want to find out and keep up with the details, I see you have a mailing list on the GameDesignersMovie.com. And I'm assuming if I were to put in my email address there, when the Kickstarter is released... I would get notification and I'd be able to check it out. Yep, that's uh, that's the plan. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. It's uh, been great talking to you. If people want to follow you on social media, how should they do so? Um, well, I know that Twitter is real big with the game world, uh, board game world, but <laughs> I'm just not really into it. But I do have uh, Facebook for this project, The Game Designers. Uh, you can search for that. Uh, or you could look at my production company, Zoom Out Media, which is uh, probably a better path to follow. Eric, you know, here's something that I found in my limited experience. And please correct me if I'm wrong in saying this. You or any knaves, knights, listeners alike that are listening to this by emailing us podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. But in my experience, I've found that Twitter is more of the business aspect of game designing where it's like the publishers trying to reach their audience, their consumers. But Facebook, Facebook seems to be the place where all the game designers actually talk amongst each other. That's where, you know, I'll have a private chat with Isaac Vega, et cetera, or all my game designer friends. With that being said, please check us out on Twitter at PlayTKG and send in your name tonight's submissions. We're going to be back next week I think this episode is for listening to episode 176 of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I've got some shout-outs to make, so bear with me. Number one, Eric Rail, 
Thanks for coming on the show and telling us about the game designers, your documentary. Yes. The other shout out, Sir Delton Brack. He helped edit this episode. You're amazing, man. Thanks for being a knight. And don't forget you, knaves, knights, and listeners alike. You help too anytime you leave a review on iTunes. Please do so. It's the best way you can support our show. Hey, you know what's happening this weekend? XOXO Fest. That's where Sean and I will be. But don't worry, we'll be back in time next week. And I have some exciting news about sponsorship for the podcast plot spoiler it might be the game crafter hey thanks again for listening see you next time please